with, oh yeah, Tucker Carlson. Okay. So yeah, Tucker Carlson, you know, he tried to apply to work at the CIA, but they quote unquote rejected him. Dang it. Right. Um, and now he's just doing their work while becoming a millionaire. He's also a deadhead. He's in the deadhead documentary, right. yeah. I believe. Like, mm-hmm. as, and yes. so it's like, hmm, you know, interesting. It's just the certain, certain kind of vibe. And yeah, so like he is, and he, it's like he's the last person that would be able to claim any kind of like, I'm a common man kind of thing, you know, regardless, regardless of whether he was liberal or conservative, like his whole posturing his entire life, his class background, like his dad's connections, like he is completely plugged into the system that he's like viciously criticizing now. And sometimes he does say things that are like, accurate in like a kind of strict sense about like how tech companies fucking suck and they're extending their control over all of our lives and they yeah but then you know there's there is this like victimization kind of thing and i mean i'll grant it to a certain point like yeah for sure like there's certain things that are just like uh that corporate hr departments are kind of implementing right now but you know, I think where they go I mean, wrong. A lot of points, Tucker Carlson conservatism is better or more correct than at least like what he is most directly arguing against. For instance, like someone was saying, like, uh, should, you know, truck dr- like, should we stop like the automation of like uh, the, the trucks so that like, or, you know, truck drivers can keep their jobs or is it like more important to advance? I yeah. heard Tucker Carlson saying, like, no, we should, like, you know, protect the jobs, like, yeah. people's livelihoods. Yeah. And that, to me, like, at least, you know, I don't, like, I mean, I could care less about the self-driving uh, trucks and all that stuff. Like, you know, I feel like I don't need that. Like, the logistics of that, like, are stupid. I mean, we should have trains, please, you know, get us some trains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I mean, you, you, but, like, uh, you, you know, have the to, principle, it, at least, I find to be more relatable than, like, the idea that, like, oh, you know, these... uh Uber must be able to advance, you know, like their profits well, exactly. come first, you know, like their exactly. first obligation is to make more money. I definitely think that that is a better principle than like the, uh, you know, the, the alternative. Uh, for yes. Sure. So. And I, I think maybe almost in like an interesting analogous way to like how like the sort of, uh, I don't know, the dirtbag leftist sphere like popped up in 2016 because there just was like no media constituency for it before that. And there was no voice kind of on the left that wasn't just completely with her and like down with technocratic neoliberalism and all of that shit. And then there was like a real kind of explosion of enthusiasm and attention when the first kind of like wave of like, you know, like online media personalities or whatever, or like the first wave of like celebrities, like, you know, came out of the closet, like as Bernie bros or whatever. It's kind of like Tucker spotted an opening that you could drive like a Mack truck through on the conservative right of just like their lazy like simping for free market forces and neoliberalism and realize that like oh there's really potent ground here to like redirect some of this anger like towards you know basically and and to make it it honestly like surprised me a little like like I said he's not the person I would peg to start talking shit about major American corporations like you know they don't care about you they don't care about the country they don't want you they want you to rent everything they don't want you to have children and now JD Vance is using that in like his stump speeches that basically like these tech these tech companies like are creating an economic situation in which like even having children is a luxury and that's fucked up. And like, as conservatives, like w- we're we're absolutely worthless if we're not 
like I think J.D. Vance said maybe in his woke capital speech recently, which <laughs> has some interesting observations and then just some like epistemological like like that meme where there's like a like a, a freeway exit sign and the car is just like swerving wildly like off the freeway. It's like where he just like swerves, mm. you know, uh, but but nonetheless, like he's speaking to a certain amount of reality. And so I get why certain mm. of like post leftist figures are like flirting with this force, because also like what else is there? out there it's like you have neo-libs who these like bloodless neo-libs that just want to like make you take like the vaccine passport and like can like absolute establish like a biomedical dictatorship biopolitical dictatorship over your life and just like you know basically i don't know like i mean but children do i think want to i mean they want to do that as well like they also want the state to have like a strong arm the thing is like it's all facade like what they're doing basically is the same thing that libs do where they say like oh you know we're on the side of the common man against like the rich and the elites the elites all the while being the rich and the elites that's what yeah. like you know mainstream democrats do i mean republicans previously didn't do that and they're like you know we're i mean well they kind of did you know, they, they, like, did. Every, like they they're go all, for the heartland kind of thing. Well, it's actually kind of I'm reflecting on this is actually pretty interesting because it's quite rare that like in especially in American society and the American sort of culture and the civil religion of America, which I think is inflected with Christianity, you know, in Christianity, it's, the, you know, a, a, a rich, it's more likely that a rich man will pass through the eye of a needle than enter heaven, you know, or sorry, a camel will pass the eye of a needle before a rich man will enter heaven, you mm-hmm. know, right? Like uh, in these religions, uh, in Islam and in Christianity, both, there's a certain, uh, you know, uh, valorization attached to poverty, you know, to be poor has a certain virtue to it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and certainly hoarding wealth uh, and being conspicuously wealthy and being arrogantly wealthy or imperiously wealthy is frowned upon, you know, and of course in Christianity, you know, you have the whole idea of like the beak shall inherit the earth, blah, blah, blah. It's like very, and you know, American society is uh, democratic and has these sort of liberal traditions and everything. So everyone, you know, wants to present themselves as like a common man who's in some way self-made, you know, like if you're running for president, you're trying to get people on your side, you know, like Tyra Carlson isn't going to come out there to try to relate to people and say, like, I'm the scion of this dynasty, you know, or like <laughs> George Bush not. isn't going to like, you know, ma- like base his presidential campaign on the fact that he's a Bush. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, going to be clearing brush like, at the ranch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like the idea of hereditary aristocracy or that type of thing, like, isn't like a value really in American culture. I think that some of those people maybe do. Like, I think that Vermeule probably does believe like in an elite, like aristocracy, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, cause he's from them, like the, he's, you know, from like the Comstock Vermeule, yeah, uh, yeah, old yeah, Dutch right. lines. The Anglo Dutch. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, as he said himself, uh, yeah, dynasty, we did find a quote yeah. there where he calls himself like, I'm, yeah, I you know, think basically, we, I think we kept that. I think we do have that in the second hour, but yeah, yeah, he acknowledges like that he has all these shifting identities. But so I think that it's, you know, people don't tend to tap like they're aristocratic bona fides people want to be abraham lincoln in the log cabin you know that is like the old that's the the mold of the hero in american society so yeah yeah you obviously want to do that but again like it's it's a facade you know it's like a the sufi sheikh hanging out with the sultan you know or the sultan going to curry favor with the sufi sheikh because he lives in poverty you know, like, yeah. and get the imprimatur of the Sufi, you know, like that. It's just like, like Jack all... Dorsey going up to like going to like Nepal, like, to, yeah. I don't know, like n- and not a lot of these speak people, for nine months. And yeah. And, 
yeah, and a lot of people are hypocrites. Like, they're complete hypocrites, and they don't really, like, you know, I think that I, there was something about J.D. Vance saying, like, you know, we want to make sure that we have, like, well-raised elites or something, right? Like, a well-raised ruling class. So he's not yes. interested really in like us not having a ruling class, like as you know, utopian of, of a goal as that might be. You might think from some of his rhetoric that he's in, in like sort of you know changing society so that it's less stratified and so that you mm-hmm. know uh, there's a less hierarchy. But no, they actually do believe in that stuff. It really comes down to like what values the hierarchy is preaching, and they yeah. will you like you know. And one of the values that I think we can agree on, you know, I'm Muslim. I obviously believe in like the noblesse oblige, you know, I believe that like the, the powerful in society have an obligation to give alms to the poor, to give alms in general, and that wealth in society should be redistributed and things like that. And that's Mm -hmm. a value that these Christians have as well and that they attach virtue to. So that's one good value that they want their ruling class to have. But when they say like, you know, oh, the ruling class, the ruling class, they're not talking about the idea of there being a ruling class. No. They're talking about what the ruling class is. And, like, yeah. yeah, maybe their ideal ruling class would have that Christian value of charity, but, like, it would also have whatever other fucked up values that they want. And yeah, it might exactly. not even They'd ultimately right manifest in. that value because, you know, that might end up not being high priority. Yeah. Like, you know, what might be more high priority is getting rid of all these other people before we before we perfect ourselves, like, you know... Well, we can't do it when we're surrounded by all these, you know, Muslims. You know, or, <laughs> or also, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of the passages uh, from volume two of History of the Great American Fortunes talking about the strange position of the middle classes between the robber baron silk toppers and like the immiserated masses and how they basically were they were feeling a certain kind of anxiety as these trusts and monopolies sort of gobbled up ever larger swaths of the economy and to a certain point they would almost be amenable to kind of populist and you know anti-elite rhetoric but they also ultimately wanted to preserve their own system of privileges that rested upon the exploitation of workers on like a smaller scale and so the minute that they felt like the the wealthy elites could either like give them a better deal or that they had an opportunity to become some kind of elites themselves, they would immediately turn on the workers. And I think you kind of see a little bit of that energy going on here. I don't know how sincere it is at all, but it's like a kind of also pointed out that mm -hmm. he also pointed out the phenomenon that, you know, like these political parties and like these, you know, uh, the silk toppers or the capitalists would always like appoint someone to be the representative and to channel you know, those, uh, that sort of like bourgeois resentment, uh, or even, you know, to sort of agitate against the, you know, the, the, the wealthy or the, the powers of the, of the capitalists, you know, but it would always be sure. kind of a farce or a false choice. Well, yeah. That, that's uh, kind of how I feel about like a lot of like equity discourse these days is like, it's kind of a diversionary tactic to basically allow, like it kind of, like, yes, and it, it obscures is. the the yeah. kind of the 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 movement of cap, like the money flows that basically. Well, you know, yeah, and it's purely based on optics. Like you know, yeah, when they talk about they want racial equity or something, like what they yeah they they want like the anger to not be like directed towards them at all. That's what yeah. they want. They want to like you know uh, ride the wave, ride the tiger. You know, <laughs> they want to ride the tiger. They do, and yeah. so you know you could still see a certain love of like this imagined form of pure capitalism that I think they still haven't like, you know, divorced themselves from the uh, crippled epistemology 
of basically like good capitalism versus crony capitalism. So they want like moral capitalism basically where, you know, J.D. Vance says up front like in his speech that, you know, we have to decide like if a company is going to, I don't know, do something that's going to like harm our children, you know, they're going to like flood the country with opioid drugs or they're going to get my son addicted to pornography when he's like 12. Then, (laughs) and you know, to say that he used an example of, um, Stacey Abrams opposing like a bill in Georgia that would have limited abortions by saying that this bill is bad for business. <laughs> and uh, and he was like, she's right. It would be bad for business. But like conservatives need to step up and realize that like like w- like we basically can't be these like cowards that are like, oh, it's bad for business. Like you have to choose like, do you care more about your moral principles or do you care about never doing anything that's like, quote, bad for business and, you know, he was saying that basically the Democrats have really sold themselves as like the amenable party of business. And they've come up with all these ways to like spin all kinds of things to basically make it sound like what they're doing is progressive when they're actually helping, you know, the businesses that like sustain them, which is true, like to an extent. Uh, yeah. But, but, you know, you can kind of see that like, OK, we well, need to stand up to that. Were that once good for business have become like, you know, I think that at one time probably being like anti-racist was bad for business or at least not unequivocally good for business now being like you know anything but anti-racist in the united states in the big cities at least yeah yeah Yeah, unless you know you're like a very niche market too you know i mean you have nothing to lose like it's not like you're losing out by not being racist in any way, even in like small towns i think no for Um, sure for sure and they're they're you know like they're there's something to watch out for there with like big corporations. JD Vance also says something interesting about how like during the the BLM riots in Minneapolis, you know, last year that there was a systematic fraud and underpayment basic. He almost sounds like Gustavus for a second and says that, you know, there was like systematic underpayment of insurance payouts from the insurance companies for the small businesses that got burned down, you know, both black and white owned small businesses right, that all got burned down. Thing. Yeah. And I mean, like it is, well, it's, it's, it is a true thing that like if Bank of America gets destroyed, they're like in a better position to recover, yeah. you know, like I, that's how insurance companies tend to work. You know, like obviously Bank of America is good for it, you know, like they yeah. are very well insured. Like, so that is a, that is a true thing. I just However, remember, you know, I, but I will, you know, <laughs> do you remember Catherine Austin Fitz like last year with that like planet lockdown interview yeah. where she mm-hmm. was basically like every city that got targeted by like these looters that burned down all the buildings were like in Federal Reserve opportunity zones. Yeah. And so like well, Amazon's going to go in and buy up all that had property a point about like the, you know, the way that the lockdown ended up being advantageous and that there was a huge transfer upward transfer of wealth. You know, I think that there is I think that that was a, a fair point that she made amidst like, you know, uh, some stuff that uh, maybe not but yeah uh, no, you could look it up like you know, it, it definitely was the that the largest but, transfer yeah, of wealth upward in said, history yeah right oh absolutely yeah i want to just modify what i said which is that i think appearing to be anti-racist is like very important now but i don't think that actually being and because i think that a lot of that stuff that they are like so fixated with like having to go to a diversity workshop or whatever like that's all about appearances yeah like that stuff doesn't actually like, you know, for all the talk about systemic racism, talking about how racism is systemic, you know, theoretically down the line, that would be the first step. But it doesn't have to be. It could be, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And yeah. actually, like, ch- making changes would be a huge disruption. 
And I don't think that there actually is much of an intent to do that. I've said this before about academia. Academia is still, despite like the horror and the like, the, like you know, they think that like white genocide is like right around the corner uh-huh. because of like you know, ac- you know, in academia or whatever. It's still institutionally, I think, quite favorable to white people because most of the people in it are still white. And yeah. like, there are certain things like you know, a certain level of unconscious bias where people are more comfortable with people who remind them of themselves, like, or have, like, a certain, like, you know, I think that that is still a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's changing. Maybe society is becoming different where they, you know, and they, they might be attentive to wanting to have people of color, like, as a token. But I think that, you know, that phenomenon still does exist. And a lot of the people who run academia are still quite old. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, look at look, Adrian Vermeule and very narcissistic, uh, you know, sometimes they, like me, have certain neurodivergencies that have been, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> named uh, for their uh, closed in or self-focused nature and their love of sameness. Uh, you know, not to say that, you know, uh, people with autism like are, but I'm just saying Racist. that a lot of academics like, you know, you can see who they take on as advisees. They're people who remind them of themselves. Mm. not just because of race but because of other personality features yeah. but race can be a factor in that for sure yeah so you know i'm Absolutely. just saying that and then the whole pipeline you know, leading up to like getting to like a phd level in the first place is so mediated yeah. by like structural inequalities and stuff that it just ends up despite what everyone says it ends up still being a pretty rarefied white space of a, of a particular yes. actual you know, yeah actual systemic changes would be bad for business, but mm-hmm. there might be a way to change gradually that wouldn't be, you know? And also, of course, I think that definitely racism on a global scale, like, or imperialism is good for business, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Zionism exactly. Zionism remains very good for business. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad.